Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Home Run Apple Sources Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and joined this week, this day, this night, by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. Are we, uh, <laughs> are we getting tired here, boys? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I admittedly did not pay as much. I paid attention to, like, rounds 11 through, I don't know, 14 or so. And then I got had to, like, go back to do work stuff and didn't pay much attention after that, so. But we do it for the people. Mm-hmm. All right, well, before we get to everyone that was drafted um, today... You know, it's been uh, a few days since the Mets made their first round pick with Colin Houck. Um, has your opinion on on his selection or or anything you know related to him? Has anything changed? Are you feeling any differently? Do you have any new interesting thoughts regarding uh, his selection? Uh, I think my my feeling on the pick philosophically is still the same. I don't have any novel thoughts, but I did see an interesting tweet. Um, this is from Beck, not the musical artist. Uh, it's at Upper Beck on uh, uh, Twitter. He's a contributor at the Dynasty Dugout, and he pointed out that if you pair exit velocities in that percentile with swing efficiency as calculated by Perfect Game, that can kind of give you an idea of who has good power and then subsequent projectability. Um, Hauk has really good exit velocities and a really inefficient swing right now. So, I mean, that's something. Yeah, I remember uh, on draft night looking, he has pretty bad hips, I think it was. Not as in, not as in like, medically, but um, how he uses them in his swing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I, and, and I, I was certainly familiar with this concept, but I do not subscribe to Perfect Game. I was not aware they had a metric for this. Uh, for those of you who don't understand what we're talking about, basically they're quantifying the sequence of of the movement and, and just the fluidity of how uh, the energy is transferred in terms of your, your hips firing, your torso uh, swinging through, your arms, your wrists, etc., uh, I don't know how accurate it is. I've never seen it before. It doesn't surprise me that there are metrics out there. I just thought this was interesting because on draft night, when I was on the BP simulcast with Jarrett and Jeff and uh, Smith Brickner, um, I kind of posed the question of how do you decide which of these guys has more development to do, right? Like, how do you decide who is already a polished hitter and who is more raw? And this was a leading question. Like, obviously, the answer is you, you, that's what you're leaning on your scouts for. But it's interesting that by this metric, I mean, that kind of lines up with what the scouting consensus is about Hauk, right? That his uh, – uh, he's still definitely more raw um, and – for the Mets, that's both interesting and concerning, I would think, because it means there's runway to make improvements. Maybe you can correct some of the swing and miss and, and can add more power if you actually correct these problems. But do we have faith in them to correct the problems? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the two most notable guys that pop out immediately are Alex Ramirez and Kevin Parada. And 
their issues are not so much mechanical body movement as much as it is like hand placement and swing path, but those are both issues that have gone on with both of those players for longer than I would want to see. You know, I feel like it's been long enough that someone somewhere um, should be aware and should be relaying the message down, you know, to these players to, to hey, start changing things up. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, Ramirez Parada, probably got worse. Yeah. Ramirez has to a degree, but... I mean, and and even more concerningly, to your point, like those are just for them. It's mostly hand movements. I'm less confident on Ramirez's swing, but I feel like Parada uses his hips pretty well and uses like has some pretty. Once he gets through that really awful setup, I think it's a nice swing. I don't know if you guys disagree. Um, no, it would, is. It is a nice would, swing. You would think the hand part, like that should be the lowest hanging fruit, and they haven't fixed it. The guy with the more complicated swing change in the in the org is 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 Vientos, of course. Um, like if you could get him on top of the ball or or not less on top of the ball, um, or I don't know what the scouting vernacular is here, honestly. Like, get him to hit fastballs up in the zone and stop hitting the ball on the ground, which is pretty clearly a swing plane issue. That That's a more complicated fix than moving the hands, but they haven't, can't, haven't done either yet. And, I mean, um, Beatty is the same way. Like, mm-hmm. And we see it in the majors still, that he's living with the ball on the ground, and it's capped his ceiling. Because he hasn't been a terrible major leaguer. He's been below average, but, you know, he's a rookie. It is what it is. But it's still, but they hit them on the air, man. And it's just like an organizational issue. Like we kind of, we kind of talked about it a few days ago when they drafted him. Like I liked the pick and it was better than most of the guys they would have gotten there, but also they need to iron some stuff out. And I don't know if we have to trust the Mets to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know that Beatty's is a swing problem so much as an approach problem, but the overarching point is still who was the last hitter they actually improved. I mean, I, I guess that the obvious one is Pete Alonso, but did I feel they like, do that? I mean, he's he's a functional major leaguer, so no, I, I he's better than a functional major leaguer. He's like a <laughs> okay, softy, okay. like a soft seven. I would okay, think. well, I wasn't sure what you meant in that, so I was just like, okay, well, I mean, he's good. No, he, he's they've like a soft. They've developed a few bats, like obviously that's. Like Nimmo, obviously they've developed, and Alonso they've developed, and Alvarez looks like they've developed him, and Conforto is no longer met, but they developed like they did a decent amount of a job with their early in, picks. And in terms of in terms of having to take a guy though and completely, to some sure. degree or another, change something integral to his mechanics though. I mean, Pete Alonso I'm, they moved his hands around a lot, but other than him, I, I can't think of. I'll give them Alvarez because if you have a kid from 15 or whatever over 16 and then he's a starter in the majors in your organization, then you did the Mets probably did something to help him. He okay, did not okay. do all, he did not do all of that on his own. Like like you know what I mean like Alonso's the one thing and like Tyler McGill looking up stuff on YouTube 
I think that was in that was in the athletic. I'm pretty sure yes. it was the athletic. He basically where, Googled how to throw hard. <laughs> and like he, that's how he developed. Like the Mets are not doing that stuff. They have to prove to us that they can. That doesn't make Hauk a bad pick. It just can they develop in to take the next step. Yep. I I don't. I think I'm generally let. I I, I don't have a huge problem with this. It's not a, a kind of pick I like to make. Um. Were I in charge? Like, I just don't love the random prep gambles because it feels just so random. Uh, but it, it's still, a, there's a lot of talent here, certainly. It's a f- good get at 32 on raw talent alone. Uh, if we weren't so caught up in our lingering process questions with the Mets, we'd probably be more excited that they pulled, that they successfully, like, give them, they deserve some credit for successfully floating a dude down to 32 like that's good work now can you do the next can you make the next step i don't know well here's hoping i'd also go so far to say as they've been a a a good drafting like i thought their draft last year was quite good and the problem is they haven't done the next step and developed the guys like yeah that's what we're waiting on I, I think stand our, by our positive assessment of the draft last year. I think our problems are more development-based than draft-based Yep. when we talk about this stuff. And obviously, they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, it doesn't matter how—I don't want to say it doesn't matter how good you draft, but it only does so much. This isn't football, where obviously you develop players in football, but your first-round pick in football is probably going to start. Like, he's just going to be a starter on your on your NFL team, and that's it, unless it's a development pick. But with the, there's so much more that goes into this stuff for baseball specifically. Uh, ho- hockey a little bit, but most of the time the really good guys just go to the NHL. So they'll have a little time in the AHL, but like this is a this is different. Like we're not going to see how for four years, you know. And that's it doesn't matter how talented he was. Yeah. If it doesn't matter how talented the kid is, if the Mets fuck it up, they fuck it up. I don't know if they will. We are assuming that they will, I guess. I don't know. We're skeptical that they will, I guess is the better term. But they also have to prove to us. They're, we're allowed to be skeptical, I think, because of long-standing issues with the organization. <laughs> All right. Um, so last night's recording, Tuesday night, day two of the draft. Um, you know, we just kind of went over the Mets Hall they made 11 picks in total, and I think, by and large, having had, you know, 24 hours, give or take, to digest all of that, I think we're all still pretty much in agreement that it was a, not necessarily an exciting day two, but an overall functional day two. They got players that have major league, well professional baseball utility and you know maybe not the most exciting players everybody but nothing that really came out of left field that left anyone scratching their heads going why did they pick this player here what is going on i immediately opened the draft board again to see if they picked a left fielder (laughs) i don't think they did so no um yeah i'm basically in agreement with that and as long as they don't as long as like Trusser and Wenninger are not DeAndre Smiths, where they give them 
full slot for some like as long as those are actually cut picks right that is also a uh, pretty big thing here is right. we are operating on the assumption that you know if if, if a player's slot is five hundred thousand dollars just say making something up i don't know but we're assuming that the majority of these guys are going to be at best receiving slot but mm-hmm. majority of them will be receiving some discounts yep, yep. because the, my the point i'm making is i don't see i don't see them i, I don't see a carlos cortez here right i don't see a deandre yeah. smith here i don't see something yep. that's obviously bad presuming that the guys that look like burn picks are actually cut picks right exactly because i could we could have said the same thing last year and i think we did say on the pod that yeah okay whatever i'm not going to get tied up we're not going to get tied in knots over deandre smith he's probably a cut pick and then they gave gave him a million dollars yeah i was like all right you can if you want to do that that's fine but also it's like why'd you do that you could have just cut pick him and called it a day and there were definitely some interesting names. Uh, Nolan McLean, two-way player from Oklahoma State University. A.J. Ewing, a prep shortstop from Ohio. Zach Thornton, a left-handed pitcher from Grand Canyon University. And a quick tangent, because every time I was writing up his his you know I was writing up his profile and and looking stuff up, and I kept saying like Zach Thornton, Zach Thornton, Zach Thornton. Were you thinking of the guy they got for Ike Davis all yes, those years yes, ago? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Same, obviously not the same guy, but yeah, same name. <laughs> Unless Steve, I had the same thought the second he was drafted. I'm like, oh, I that could, guy's back. It just sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. And and then it, the light bulb went on. Unless it is the same person, and he's just like, hello, fellow kids. I am college player. What is up, fellow youths? <laughs> he's probably, geez, in his like, I would guess he's... mid-40s, maybe? No, he's not that old. I'm going to guess that he's 33. Hmm. Zach Thornton. Because I feel like he was kind of old. He was. Yeah. Uh, 35. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you're closer than I am. But, yes, uh, Zach Thornton, but not that Zach Thornton. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Moving on. Boston Barrow, a prep shortstop from California. And then just, you know, everybody else, like we we're saying, these, they're all guys that you don't necessarily have to squint to, to to really understand why the Mets are picking these guys. You know, there's a guy that has, you know, good defense or a guy that has above average power or or slider good spin rates or a fastball plus velocity. You know, the, the kind of money ball approach to a draft where, OK, you know, we don't want to spend all of our slot alignment at, with with this pick. So we're going to identify one thing that a guy does very well, pick him, and then hopefully, 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 give him underslot money. But it's a, you know, it's it's a strategy that works, and it's just good to see the Mets, uh, you know, using a, a viable strategy. Mm-hmm. We'll yell. We'll, well, I'm sure we'll complain about it if they wind up giving someone too much <laughs> money here. All right, so today was the last day of the draft, and Mets made 10 more picks. So with their 11th round pick, the Mets selected Brett Banks, a right-handed senior pitcher from UNC William- Wilmington. Um, he's got a big-time fastball, like high 90s. He's got a sweepy slider. 
um, so-so numbers early in his career, but he was moved to the bullpen this year. He kind of took to it. Um, you know, the occasional command issue holding him back, but nothing wrong, you know, with this as an 11th round pick, you know? Fine. There are some interesting tweets about his stuff. Uh, Copy paste our conversation on all the pitchers from last night. Yeah, that's really what this day is going to be. They very clearly have a model that popped guys with, like, similar characteristics Mm -hmm. with different pitches and stuff across the board, and they took a lot of them because there's, like, four pitchers in the system. Uh, so they were like, all right, let's just re- get a many, get as many in as possible on day two and three because the bats are less likely to pop on day two and three than the arms are. And let's see if we could get some of them to be starters. That's basically what I think their plan was. We've seen less cohesive plans from Mets drafts before, so... Um, well, with their 12th round pick, the Mets selected Brady Kurtner, a right-handed pitcher from Virginia Tech, and literally, you know, exactly copy-paste, two-pitch reliever, mid to high 90s fastball, sweepy slider, some command issues. Yep. I will note, um, this is someone else, another tweet I found, this is from Mason McRae, I don't know who he is, or, uh... Let me see if I can figure out quickly if they write for anyone. A VCU student, class of 2024. Uh, good for you, buddy, publishing all this stuff. Somehow has access to the StatCast data here, and I assume is running a stuff model uh, basically the same as the one that Dino Saris uses, since it's titled Stuff Plus. Um, where was I going with this? Right. Uh, the Mets grabbed a couple people off the, the top of this list. Brett Banks ranked 10th, 10th in all of college baseball. Um, Nolan McLean, uh, came in at 60th and, uh, 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 Kurtner was also, I think in the twenties here, or was he even higher than that? Uh, clearly you can tell how, how prepped I am for this. Um, but to Thomas's point, they clearly have a stuff model that they're working yeah. off of here. Yeah. These guys, the last two really have extensive command issues. Also, who knows how, well, I have not seen any studies on how well college calibrated stuff would actually hold up, right? We just this is this is all pretty new, um, and the data is not public. So, um, I would say uh, they they did a good job with this profile with Vassal. Like we yep. could have put him right into this category when, and we probably did when we when he was drafted because that's what he was at Virginia, and now he is probably going to be a major league starter next year. You know what I mean? Like. He has the talent to be now, it looks like. They've really figured something out with him. And Hamill has been a little better, and he was very similar with the control issues and stuff like that. Tidwell was a two-pitch guy with control issues, and he's been really good recently. Obviously, that's a small sample size because he was kind of iffy earlier in the season. So it's nice to see him take a step forward in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Like uh, They have had misses, but they've definitely had some wins in the pitching department recently. A few of them, Vassal being, I think, the big one. So I think they're kind of doing the same thing again and taking even more swings at it, which I get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kurtner checked in at 17th. And I think this was the point we made yesterday. 
or maybe I was I was talking about this in the context of like age of preps being a model component. I think the further down you get in the draft, the more important your model based picks are because hmm. the differences to I scout like it's going to be a lot harder to I scout the actual differentiated talents here. It's going to be a lot harder to get adequate looks on them. The data is going to serve you better uh, at, at some point. Uh, and and this isn't to poo-poo the whole idea of scouting. It's still very important, but it's higher throughput to just work with data on some level. I think and you, need, then, you just need to do both. Yeah, like you mm-hmm. need to. I, I would. The, I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna lean into my PhD language here, right? Your your the data here in a world where you cannot possibly get adequate looks at everyone. The data here is really powerful for hypothesis generation. It flags guys and says, hey, this is interesting. Go look at this. And then I'm presuming they had scouts go look at Kurtner and and Banks Mm -hmm. and whoever else and say, oh, okay, well, this is interesting and it matches my eye scouts. We should, my scout, we should roll the dice on it. So that's a much more thorough process than I think we've ever seen them employ before where the past, it was probably much like a bunch of guys sitting around a table and saying, "Yeah, oh, well, I was well, I sat on this guy for two games and he popped and he's got an ERA of six, but I liked him those two games. Why? Yeah. I don't remember. He's got a good girlfriend. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> or like they they saw USC play and some kid went two for four and they were like, "All right, he's good," but he was actually not good or something. <laughs> Insert big school here that they used to do that with. Yep, All well, of this I, is supposed to be a positive commentary on what they've done here. So, uh, positive podcast. No, yeah, like, yeah, like we we're saying before, it was worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that point, I, I think that is encapsulated very well with their thirteenth round pick, um, right-handed pitcher from Elon University, Ben Simon. He's he's a smaller pitcher. Uh, unfortunately, he's a New Jerseyan, but he's got a high nineties fastball. He's got, you know, um, uh, low 80s slider. He's got a change up. He's good at, you know, changing speeds, confusing batters. And in years past, and nothing, you know, no offense against him, but a player like this would have been drafted in the fifth round and would have gotten slot money, and his name would have been Riley Gilliam. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Riley Gilliam was better than, didn't Riley? Riley Gilliam at least had a. a he was a little bit better. Well, I'm not going to say a little bit better. He was he was better, but you're drafting and and signing slot a closer in your fifth round. Mm-hmm. You know that's not good. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Simon was the guy who was uh, getting his degree in applied mathematics. Correct. Yes. Yeah, he was, you you have some affinity with him. Yes, I mean I'm the shocking the dude who went to graduate school to do basically stats as a giant nerd. But I generally like rolling the dice on these smarter players. Smarter players. That sounds very elitist. Um, <laughs> uh, academically inclined players, let's say. Uh, I think e- e- not because they're necessarily more likely to work out on the field, but I think having guys who can speak the stats, speak the language of stats, speak the language of math, and are also players, even while they're still playing the game, can function as sort of ambassadors between your 
analytically inclined development folks and the guys you actually care about. Um, and maybe he turns into, maybe he just serves that role for a little bit and filters out, maybe becomes more of a long-term fixture there. But I generally like this grabbing this kind of profile just for that sort of middleman role because this is hard to communicate. It is. As someone who was uh, liberal arts inclined in his in his um, schooling, uh, going to school to be an English, uh, have an English degree and a history degree. So math was not my favorite subject. Like I use this stuff, but I if you would ask me to understand how and why I would have to actually like really pay attention and like really read someone who knows how to like do the math. And this guy does that like he would be an asset to that. And also he would be open to the data. Some players definitely are not open to uh, data even today. Like not to say that it's a good or bad thing. It is what it is. And I'm sure you could give them the data anyway in ways that they'll still understand it. But he there's no way he wouldn't be open to it. Mm-hmm. It's the because, 13th round. Roll the dice on the yeah. player ambassador, dude. Fine. All right, with their 14th round pick, the Mets select the Mets selected John Valle, a right-handed prep pitcher from Jefferson High School in Tampa, Florida. And this is a pretty interesting pick. I, I think, think I was going to say I think this is um Lucas going when Lucas was mentioning having a model to get guys. I think this is a guy who could fall through the cracks and your model pops him. Because he's uncommitted to a school now. Yep, exactly that. Like, and obviously, I think perfect game. He has a perfect game profile because perfect game tweeted out a bunch of interesting metrics for him when he got drafted. Maybe it was when he got drafted or someone found it previously. But they're there. So it's not like he's a complete unknown. But a team that has a model that is popping certain stuff, I, it's, I would think it's stuff plus based is what I would think right now. The way that it seems to, the way that their draft seems to have gone, he probably popped it, and other teams who don't have a model like that either didn't see it or it didn't value it as much as the Mets did. And even though he's an uncommitted high schooler, it still pops your 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 model, so you take him in the 14th round or 13th round, and you call it a day. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I think makes this pick is interesting. Is he's uncommitted, which means I I don't want to say guaranteed, but more than likely he signs. Yeah, if he's uncommitted now, it's just, yeah. this is this is the better option almost. Like, yeah. when, when does the uh, school year start? Like, in a month and a half? Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, if you if you committed, still don't know what you're doing, then not great. But um, fastball has been measured by reputable sources as high as 94. He's got a workable slider right now that has high spin rates. You know, I've that's, seen it described as a sweeper, which is interesting. Yes. I do not accept that terminology. It's a different pitch, Steve. It's a slider. <laughs> now, quick pop quiz. Who was the last late round, like past the 10th round, prep pitcher that the Mets signed? The Mets signed? signed? Yes. Like, they've drafted guys, but then they've gone on to college, you know, like like Hunter Barco or, you know, but... Guy that they actually were able to sign who was past the 10th round. Did Josh Etchen go to college? I don't know, but it was not that long ago. So Oof. Wasn't there a dude in the year that drafted Allen? Yes, it is that year, 2019. Plank? No, he was oh. before. Oh, fuck. 
Plank. I'm gonna be annoyed. It was 2019. You tell me. 2019. It's not Plank. Ah. I'm gonna be very annoyed. <laughs> He's currently on the Cyclones. Currently on the Cyclones. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you said a pitcher, a, right? He is a pitcher. Yes. He's a big motherfucker. That is not helping me. Give me like 10 he's, more seconds to think about this. He's the tallest guy on the Cyclones. He's taller than Paul Gervais. And it's hard to be taller than Paul Gervais because Paul, Paul Gervais, Gervais is, is like six foot seven. Oh, Jace Beck? Jace Beck, yes. Okay, I was not. Okay, that was not who I was. Because he's like 6'10, right? Or some something like that? I want to say 9 or 10, yeah. Poll, I would not have gotten that. But point is, it's it's been a while. Maybe not Josh Edgen level a while, but it Josh has Edgen been a college. while. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it has been a while since it. the last time the Mets were able to sign a kind of low-profile prep pitcher and get him in the system. So it's uh, he's Baez also an exciting interesting pick in general. Ones. Born in Cuba uncommitted in a in florida right now like it's just kind of i could see how that pro, that profile kind of slips through and then maybe the mets are the beneficiary for it yeah i think i alluded to an interesting guy the phillies might have found that slipped through this feels very much like that same sort of find just was he the exit velo guy the phillies one yeah 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 the canadian dude he had like huge exit velocities or something mm-hmm. i can pull the name if steve will give me two seconds only if you stop calling it a sweeper. <laughs> I will not do that because that's what it is. Avery Owosu Asedu, uh, who went to Southern Illinois University, Edward, and dot, 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 and was from Canada. Like, I think this is getting back to that other point you made. You're not going to find these guys at the big schools. You got to go looking for, for these interesting guys. And sure, I could buy that this is someone that Dodgers and Rays and Braves missed basically cool secondary signing if they can if they're gonna ink him mm-hmm. all right with their 15th round pick the Mets selected Justin Lawson a right-handed senior pitcher from North Carolina State and rent and repeat you know mid-90s fastball and a slider I this is about the time I stopped paying attention. I have nothing interesting to say here. Yeah, I mean, it's no just offense. similar to the other stuff we've been saying. Exactly. He popped their model, and they need pitchers, and they want to get as many pitchers in the building as possible. On day three, honestly, just do this every. Just take all the yeah. pitchers. It's I'm generally, kind of boring, but. <laughs> well, I gen like drafting marginal pitchers like marginal pitchers have more value than marginal hitters basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As if, if a hitter can't figure out a, a curveball you're done that's the end of it if a pitcher can't do one aspect of pitching if he has other abilities then he could still limp yeah. on for however long he can all right uh with their 16th round pick now the Mets selected Jeg Zatella, a prep third baseman from St. Charles East High School in St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, exciting pick, but 95% chance that he, he goes through with his college commitments. I would assume that this is a 
they things a learning happened and learning <laughs> has occurred Praise and they the and Lord. they kept a uh, and they and they picked a safety pick in case something goes sideways with Hawker or Hawker or, or Sprout honestly cuz he could if the, he pretty it sounds like he does not want to go back to school but he theoretically could cuz of his covid eligibility so mm-hmm. yeah um Zatella is one of the better players in like Illinois. Uh, he's, there's bat speed, there's present power, there's projectable more power. He's speedy. He's a good defender on the infield. So really no chance that the Mets sign him unless things take a wacky turn somewhere in the draft. But like you said, learning has occurred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they end up wasting this pick because he goes to college. I don't care. Does that, right, that that just means that they're getting one less mid-90s reliever with the slider. No, it's it's not even that. It's (laughs) it's not even that. It's um, the same thing when they took Allen and Barco in the same year. Like, you need to do this. It's just, if if you're going to take the overslot risk in the early rounds, like they didn't do it with rocker and then look what happened. And then it was a disaster. That draft class was like, well, okay, <laughs> nothing's going on. You just, the, your headliner is not there. You, you cannot risk not getting a high upside guy here. And this is a perfectly acceptable one. Mm-hmm. What year was rocker? Is that 2020? 21. 21. Yeah. Cause 20 was the COVID year with, uh, when they only had like five, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. JT Ginn, Isaiah Green. Eric I was Boyd gonna go. I was gonna go try to find someone that signed because they wasted something like one and a half million dollars of pool money. Uh, I was gonna go try to find someone who had signed for about that amount. It was now a good prospect just to <sighs> put salt in the wound. But Spotrack doesn't want to work <laughs> with me, so I'm not gonna do it. Well, that's good. Now it's annoying me. Who were the players that signed in that 2020 draft? There was. P. Crow Armstrong is the first pick. Isaiah Green was the second, or whatever. He was Green the was Wolf. the second. Green was the second. J.T. Ginn was the third. Andrew Edwards. No, not Andrew Edwards. That second baseman dude. That Anthony Walters. Anthony yes. Walters. And a Eric catcher. Orsi, fifth, right? And Eric Dwyer or something. Matthew, yeah, Dwyer? Matthew Dwyer. Matthew oh, Dwyer, who is like one or of the Dyer. little pond's son, grandson's friends or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's some fucking shit like awful. That, yeah. It was it was yeah. something like that, yeah. What a what a draft class that was. Yeah, but they yeah. traded half of it for Lindor. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was wrong about Josh Wolf. They traded Green for the hell, but they traded Pete Crow Armstrong for Joshua that, Baez. That, yeah, that the the PCA for for. Uh, Javi Baez, excuse uh, me. Javi Baez was rough stuff. He would look real nice as your outfield to be right now with Marte and Canna looking, not Canna, Marte looking cooked and Canna free agent if they decline his option. Unless it's a player option, I don't remember. Yeah. Um. All right, so with the 17th round pick, the Mets selected Bryce Jenkins, a right-handed senior pitcher from the University of Tennessee. Um, his fastballs only so-so. It's like mid to low 90s, but he's got a slider with a spin rate over 3,000. So you love to see that kind of stuff. And again, 17th round pick. You are identifying specific things at this point that players have or can do well. And 
uh, a slider, you know, with that kind of spin, I would say that yeah, that that's a good thing to have equipped. Sure, whatever. Yeah. There's something. It's better than Matthew Dwyer. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, with the 18th round pick, the Mets selected Gavin Jones, a left-handed prep pitcher from White Oak High School in White Oak, Texas. Um, fastball been measured as high as 91 earlier this year in tournaments. He's got the makings of a decent curveball and a changeup. He's got a commitment to Texas Tech. He's a Texas kid. He's got promise. He ain't signing. Probably does not sign. That this feels like another safety, just in, another just in case one. Mm-hmm. I think there's more of a chance that he signs than there's. A I agree. Zatella signs, but still the likelihood of him signing is very minute. I agree. I think they have a better chance if things go sideways. And maybe this is one of those like a few of their third or fourth round picks or whatever don't sign for some reason or whatever and. Make it and they have a little extra money left over. I don't think he'll be that expensive, but it feels like they're just not going to be able to finagle the money. Do we think they're signing? Uh, I mean, Vaya, we already talked about. Do we think they're signing uh, Boston Barrow? Do we think we're put or is he also in this guy? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, I think he might be early enough where they have intentions of signing him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what my, I was thinking as well. I, it, too early to I also sure. hate doing this because we're just guessing. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that's what you have to do now. Yeah. Um, with their 19th round pick, the Mets selected Christian Little, a right-handed pitcher from LSU. This pick's amazing. Um, he's a fan, former Vandy player. He went to LSU. So that's a that's a one hell of a transfer. You win the championships one year with one school, then you go, you win another championship. Not bad, but... Um, I think he's, he's still kind of in the same vein as all these other pitchers that have been selected, but he throws a cutter, which is at least new and different. Also, he was like a huge prospect. Like, yeah, he was very, he was was one of the biggest pitching prospects in the country at Van, at Vandy. I said, you don't go to Vandy and suck. So, and he was like the number three there behind Leiter and Rocker. And then he transferred to LSU and was bad. So like. I don't really know what this is. This is fascinating. Like, I think this is one of the more interesting picks they've made, and he probably is never plays a game in the Mets organization because he's only 20, so he'll, I'm sure he'll just go back to school and see if he could get better at LSU and, I mean, have a better season at LSU and just get picked higher next year, especially with how the Mets' money seems to be with how many, um, with how many mm-hmm. cut picks they made. But it's fascinating to pick a guy like this here to have that level of former helium on him and then take him in the 19th round just because what else are you going to do in the 19th round? He has a, he has unlike a lot of the guys we've talked about good fastball shape, um, really nice vertical break on it. I, my only concern is that I mean, Vanderbilt is, it's not, is a decent pitching dev school and LSU's pitching coach, they straight up poached from the twins and he turned Paul Skeens into a monster when he was like, not nothing, but nowhere near this level of prospect when he transferred in. Um, 
slightly notable to me that uh, the, the very good LSU coaching staff couldn't really make much of this. But if they can get him in the 19th round, the fastball alone is worth gambling on. It. Yeah. I mean, this dude has a literal NIL contract with Rock Nation. Yes. It's not yes. like he's he doesn't need the Mets 19th round money to he's fine. Like, yes, he but does. That's, that's also the, the, the level of prospect we're talking about, like even if he had a rough season. And that's why I think it's really interesting that they took a chance on him here. I don't really know how this ends up, but it's kind of it's just fascinating. Like it's one it's one of the most interesting picks they made today, and he's probably never going to play a game for the Mets, which is very funny. But that's how it works out sometimes. BA and Prospect oh. Five had him flagged as a day two flyer, right? Like if you get him here, it's a coup. I don't know that they will. What's the yeah. what's the what's the eleventh to twentieth round money this year? It's like one fifty k or something like that. Yeah, I believe it's one fifty. Which probably is not sufficient. No, probably not enough with <laughs> LSU NIL money. He Unless probably he wants to more. be a Met. Like he might, might want to go pro, maybe. I don't know. Like Brandon McElwain was like that, where we didn't think he was going to sign. Because I think I'm pretty sure. No, not McElwain. Who am I thinking of for the Vandy commit? Um, He just got McIntosh. Yeah, yes. Mac- Macintosh. Yeah. See, it was, it, was, it was the MC names. Because mm-hmm. McElwain was the Cal quarterback. But yes. Um, Macintosh, it was the same thing. I was like, oh, they took him too late. He's going to Vandy. He's not signing. And then it was like, bam, <laughs> he signed for a slot or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that was a cool, that was a nice signing at the time, too. Obviously, he hasn't done much so far, but still, like, it's still a nice thing if you could get him at the spot. Mm-hmm. And finally, with their 20th round pick, uh, the Mets selected Keelum Clark, an outfielder from Mississippi State University. And, uh, you know, the numbers, offensive numbers in in college baseball this year were inflated to a ridiculous degree. But Clark is surprisingly proficient with the bat for a 20th round pick. He's Mm -hmm. had exit velocities over 100. He doesn't strike out excessively. You know, he he walks a decent bunch. Um, You know, it's not a bad gamble for the 20th pick. You know, he, he struggled against breaking balls, so that's a thing that's going to, you know, make or break somebody. But you could say that literally against uh, about 70% of college baseball players. Mm-hmm. Ones that, you know, don't have the kind of recorded numbers that Clark has, so. I actually quite like this pick. Um, yeah. There's real power here, I think. Like, his average exit velo isn't excellent but it's pretty solid he has maxes over 110 um the problem is the chase and that's usually something that really drives me off a prospect and it will probably drive me off ranking him highly uh but betting on this amount of power um at this point is is impressive he also weirdly enough hits has a track record of hitting velocity well yeah that's interesting like those, I mean, you would. Ex- I feel like those are the two big things you expect guys to struggle with: good breakers and velocity. And he can, he has one of those problems, and one of them can be fatal. But he can handle a, a fastball, it seems. So, um, again, twentieth round pick. That's a nice little get um, if mm-hmm. you can bring him in. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting 
hey, we're taking it's obviously it's a college bat on day three. Your expectations are always going to be a little not low, but kept in check. Yes, tempered. There we go. But I mean, hey, look, the dude hits home runs. He hits the ball hard and he hits velo. See what you could do. See if you could get him to clean up the approach and lay off the 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 spinners and call it a day. Yeah, so there is not a single pick here that I like as little as I liked DeAndre Smith last year <laughs> through 20 rounds. Or there's no... Well, uh, well, you know, corollary to that is let's see what they pay everybody. Before even with that, making. right? Like, even if they don't... Even if so... As long as they sign their big guys, I don't really care. If they give guys slot, like go ahead, go ahead, kid, get your money from the Mets. The Mets don't need it. So like, at the at really at the end of the day, as long as they don't screw around and miss on other guy on their higher end prospects, I don't really care about their the slot bonuses here. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. I think they very clearly have an organizational philosophy that we we kind of power through these names because individually there's not much to talk about for each guy because they're mostly college relievers who throw two pitches and have spinny stuff and have some velo and have a lack of command it's kind of the same archetype over and over just with different pitches and stuff like that but now they have like 15 kicks at the can for a usable pitcher you know mm-hmm. if they find three or four in three years we're gonna be like hell yeah great that's perfect. I, I, they straight up wasted, and I won't even count the Morbido pick. They straight up wasted two picks last year on a step in Smith. They, were, they, they never had any chance. There was no chance. I can at least squint at all of these guys and say, that's interesting. There's a chance this works. And ultimately, after the top couple rounds, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed, not a single... Junior college. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, I mean, not I didn't it. notice that actually. Yeah. yeah, I just when I I have the the final draft tracker up, I'm just kind of looking at it. Yeah, everyone is either high school or four year college. No jugos, no division I, I, threes. I presume they went safe because I think Hauk is going to be expensive. Yeah. So they took the. Uh, the cheapest possible outcome for a lot of these picks. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly the most interesting short-term question. Like, obviously, they're interesting questions over the next three to five years with all most of these guys. But in the next month, like, how much is Hulk getting? Because that that that's going to determine a lot here. Yep. And an underrated thing with some of the safety picks, I don't think the third baseman's name, who I can't, I don't know how to pronounce. How do you pronounce his name? Zitella. Zitelli. That's what I think. So right. I don't think there's any chance he signs. Like, I think there's, like, literally a 0% chance he signs unless yeah. they miss on Hauk. But if they get Hauk for not as much as you think, then you could start throwing the money around to Little, maybe, if you really are interested in him. Start throwing the money around a little bit to the prep guys who they took and kind of to ensure that they sign. I don't—obviously, we're counting our chickens before they hatch with we have no idea how much Hauk is going to make, and I'm sure the Mets do. Otherwise, they— I don't think they would do that for the third year in a row. Not sign <laughs> one of their guys, but we'll see. Uh, 
But yeah, it's just interesting. Hauk signing is the big, obviously the big domino. Yep. All right, so that is that is the draft. Um, you know, we'll we'll give it some couple more days to just kind of sit and think about things or whatever. But obviously, you know, next week, our usual time, Monday, we'll be back and we'll have digested all these picks a little bit more and whatever else. And maybe we'll have some new and interesting things to say about it, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvajos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SidMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we are Patreon based. So if you enjoy our podcast or all the other ones in the Home Run Apple Network, you can subscribe for five dollars a month. And we'll be back on Monday next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs> <laughs>